0: Welcome to Capital Close Up on WKXL AM and FM here in Concord, New Hampshire, and now broadcast at 101.9 in the beautiful Gate City of Manchester. We are brought to you by the Capital Center for the Arts, two great venues in Concord with great shows all the time. Check out the website at ccanh.com. Com, and we're podcast wherever you get your podcast. So if you're listening on a personal digital device of some sort, please subscribe to our podcast. Well, I just got back from a very brief visit to Washington, D.C., where as a former member of the House, I was uh, in the House chamber meeting old friends, catching up on the news. And uh, speaking about some of the legislative accomplishments that uh, members of Congress are really happy about. And one of them is the Build Back Better plan, which passed the U.S. House, is awaiting a vote in the U.S. Senate. It lowers prescription drug costs. It expands Medicare benefits to include hearing for those of us on radio, that's very important. It closes the Medicaid coverage gap and dramatically lowers the cost of health insurance for millions of Americans. It also, very importantly, extends child tax credits and creates a paid family leave program for all workers in America. The New Hampshire delegation has been a vocal champion for President Biden's Build Back Better plant plan, and uh, we have been delivering on promises they made to constituents to address these critical issues. Today, we're going to talk about some of the major provisions around health care, child tax credits, paid family leave, and other programs Granite Staters can look forward to with the passage of the Build Back Better plan, which, according to my sources at the House, is looking better in the Senate. There is hope for Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema to come along. Our guests today are Zandra Rice-Hawkins, Director of Granite State Progress and covering New Hampshire. Um, she was named the Business and Professional Woman of New Hampshire's 2009 Young Careerist. She's got lots of awards. She serves on the Concord City Council um, and lives in Concord with her husband, Brian, and two young kids who are looking forward passage of the Build Back Better plan, and Nancy Glynn, uh, who is the state organizing director for Moms Rising. Nancy is a mom, a longtime activist who has translated her own life experiences into action as the state organizing director for Moms Rising. The two organizations are doing critical work to engage citizens across New Hampshire around issues of immediate concern, issues facing families, women, mothers, uh, and they work to educate the public and mobilize grassroots action. And this radio show, I guess, is part of the effort to spread the word and mobilize folks. So welcome, both of you, to Capital Close-Up. It's really a treat to have you.
1: Thank you for having us. Sure. Thank you so much.
0: So um let's start with some of the key facts about the build back better plan it's huge it's not as huge as originally proposed uh, that's how the sausage gets made in dc things things get you know chopped up and the links get shortened and uh, get stuffed and things get stuffed in and then things get stuffed out. So it's still a hugely important bill. And Zandra, why don't we start with you and talking about some of the benefits of the Build Back Better plan on the healthcare front?
1: Absolutely. And I have to say, I'm extremely excited about the way that Build Back Better um, really advances some of the health care reforms that we've had in place. Uh, already and then closes some of the gaps that we have. Um, I am not over speaking to say it is the most significant piece of healthcare legislation in the last decade um, since the passage of the Affordable Care Act, which uh, as a Congressman, we are so thankful for your support and defense of that important landmark bill. Um, Here are some of the ways that it'll help, and, and there are many, so I'm gonna cover a couple of the top lines here. But as you mentioned at the top of the hour, um, Medicare will be allowed to negotiate for lower drug prices. Uh, The plan expands Medicare benefits to include hearing. It closes the Medicaid coverage gap and it dramatically lowers the cost of health insurance for millions of Americans. So here in New Hampshire, that means that 19,000 uninsured people will gain coverage and 23,900 will on average, save hundreds of dollars per year. it also makes some you know, really critical investments in internal health and, and in national preparedness for future pandemics, which is important as well. It's um, really, but- by the way,
0: it's really important because uh, although folks might not know it, when President Trump came to office, there was a plan in place, which he ignored uh, with devastating results. So planning for future pandemics is critical and the money in the Build Back Better plan to do that is really important
1: yeah and that, you know we kind of include it a little bit in the healthcare section because a lot of um, making those plans, you know it's people's health and safety that is impacted when we have situations like this. And so it's really important that we have those national plans as you mentioned, we had those plans in place and unfortunately the Trump administration um, didn't follow through on them but um, but build back better brings back some of that. and then some of the things that we're really most excited about um, in the plan, you know, prescription drug reform is a huge issue. Right now, Americans pay more for prescription drugs than anyone in the world, um, it, you know, as much as three times as much as people pay in other countries. And that is just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, we are we are a country that is full of innovation and that has, um, you know, incredible resources. And yet we're pricing families out of the drugs that they need that are sometimes life-saving drugs. Um, and it, it really doesn't have to be that way. One of the things that our organization and many others have been calling for for years now is to allow the government to negotiate for lower drug prices on behalf of patients and then to pass other bold reforms that would also help to stop price gouging by large pharmaceutical companies. And this so, is something that Congress you know, is doing with code Back Better.
0: Let me just give a little bit of perspective because it, it seems so odd that we pay so much. I mean, the government has huge buying power, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, the government programs are the largest um, uh, users of health care, providers of health care in the country. And you'd think with all that leverage, uh, the government um, would be able to negotiate prices for drugs that are reasonable, just like the n- government negotiates with providers for care. And just to give folks a very quick bit of perspective, the, the inability or the prohibition of the government to negotiate for drug prices came about before I got to Congress um, uh, in, in a late night vote um, in, in which there was one outstanding vote that that needed to happen to prevent the government from from negotiating prices, which is sort of insanity. And that vote was a guy named Billy Tozen. The Republicans kept the the vote open till all odd hours of the morning, twisting his arm and finally Uh, They got Billy Tozen to vote to prohibit the government to negotiate drug prices. And wouldn't you know it? He went on to become in the he, I think he then retired and went on to become the lobbyist for big pharma. Wonder what happened there. Okay. Not, Not not to digress, but those are the kinds of machinations that we've had to suffer through in terms of the drug prices. And this bill will help fix that problem.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, it is ridiculous that that non-interference clause was ever put in because that is just not how markets operate and it shouldn't be how it operates. And certain should certainly shouldn't be how, um, one of our largest programs around healthcare operates, because what it's meant is that families have had to pay much more than they would otherwise, um, for prescription drugs. So, um, in the original version of Build Back Better, and um, and something that our delegation has championed, we would like to see that non-interference clause go away for for everything. You know, we want to, Medicare to be able to negotiate prices with drug companies um, for all medications. In the process that is, you know, putting a bill together, um, that has shifted slightly, but we're pretty thankful that that has remained in there. And um, Congressman Chris Pappas frankly, has been one of the champions around keeping that in um, the the lower drug prices now platform in Build Back Better. And what's going to happen in this bill is that we're going to have the most expensive and widely used prescription drugs will be able to be negotiated for, and that also includes negotiations for all insulin. So that is a really good start and the foundation that we need to be able to start to lower drug prices, not just for those who are on Medicare, but really to make those um, low prices available for everyone.
0: Pardon the sausage making,
1: was to to (laughs) chop away a little
0: bit at going after everything and getting a good start. It's really important.
1: Mm -hmm. And then another piece that'll go with that um, is that Build Back Better imposes penalties if drug corporations increase their prices um, faster than so this is another part of the problem, and we know that this provision will hopefully help rein in skyrocketing prescription drug costs. Um, Kaiser Family Foundation ha- has done some studies about, you know, how uh, prices compare with inflation, and like on Medicare, for example, they found over half of the um, prescription drugs on there were rising costs higher than the rate of inflation. So this this penalty will also help. Um, you know, extend cost savings to families and and hopefully help them be able to afford the prescription drugs they need more. And then for um, Medicare uh, beneficiaries specifically, it also creates a new two thousand dollars out of pocket limit for prescription drugs for Medicare. Um, this, is this is the actually- donut. This is
0: the donut hole, right? This it is.
1: is daily- yeah. This yeah. is the. This is the only. <laughs> this is. Ridiculous! This is the only program um, for insured Americans that has no cap on out-of-pocket medication costs, and it, it's something. Again, we kind of started, we chipped away at this in a big way through the passage of the ACA. And I know, um, you know, that Congressman, you had been very instrumental in some of those um, conversations. But we need, we need to really um, make sure that 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 um, that donut hole goes away completely.
0: Right. That's it. That's really, really important. I mean, the the part part of the healthcare, uh, much of the healthcare issues that seniors often face is in the inability to afford uh, the drugs that they need, and so noncompliance with the regimes that pre- doctors prescribe is a serious issue. People cutting their pills in half and hoarding them for you know trying to decide, do I. Buy prescription medication, or do I eat? Um, We've got to end that, and this bill uh, begins begins that process of ending those issues.
1: Yeah, and and you know, for Medicare, it's you know seniors and people with disabilities. So having that fluctuation and the costs, like that, you reach a certain level and then have out of pocket for a certain amount, come back on the program, that, that is just not sustainable for families. And and there's no reason that we need to, to put our seniors and and people who experience disabilities through, um, having to go through those really, really tough decisions about their health.
0: Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about insulin. Just uh, touch on that because um, there is there are huge numbers of people who suffer from diabetes in, in this country and in, in the Granite State. What, what specifically does Build Back Better do about um, insulin and the costs?
1: Yeah, this is, uh, in a bill with so many good pieces to it, this is probably one of the most exciting provisions. Um, So, you know, as we all know, insulin is how many people who are diabetic um, manage uh, their diabetes. It's been in use since 1922, but prescription drug corporations have tripled the cost of popular types of insulin over the last decade. And these are astronomical numbers, like increasing the price of some of them by as much as 800%. And so Build Back Better um, does a couple of things. It limits out-of-pocket co-pays for insulin. Um, and the American Diabetes Association um, has called this the most sweeping nationwide measure to date <laughs> to, to limit costs for Um, insulin and and to really help um, the 34 million Americans living with diabetes today to be able to afford that medication. And then again, this is um, part of the negotiations under lowering prescription drugs and allowing Medicare to negotiate for the cost of those drugs. And um, that $35 per month um, copay limit for insulin, that applies to Medicare, um, to individuals on commercial insurance, and to those covered by other group health plans. So if you have healthcare coverage, um, this is really going to be a big boon. And, and if you don't have health care coverage, I'll talk in a minute about how to get it.
2: Great.
0: So what about hearing?
1: What um, so, about? and yeah, so in the original version of the bill, um, Medicare would have started to cover um, hearing, vision, and dental um, that has been um, watered down a little bit, but we were able <laughs> to keep the hearing provision, um, which is extremely important again, because Medicare for the most part, is seniors, right? <laughs> we all know that mm-hmm. hearing loss is a real thing. Um, again, Kaiser Family Foundation found that, you know, over 70% of, um, of those on Medicare are not using any kind of hearing coverage. And, um, and that is that is uh, detrimental to the quality of life for many individuals who, who need that to be able to um, participate in some of the activities or family conversations that they've been accustomed to. Um, and that we want to make sure that they can be involved in.
0: I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in the negotiations of whether it's whether it's hearing, vision, or dental that get cut out of the final final version. And I, you know, and I know that some of the some of the losses, so to speak, in the bill have been a real sore spot for many in the progressive community. Um, there's been a real, you know, there've been some real issues in negotiating the bill in Congress between, uh, frankly, progressives and and those moderates uh, who say they're worried about the costs. But, um, you know, great changes uh, happen incrementally, and it's really important to make make a start. So uh, including the benefits for hearing are really important. Uh,
1: they are. And and it's also, you know, we never should have separated out hearing vision dental from other health care, right? Like this is part right. of your health and wellbeing. Um, and so it makes sense to make sure that Medicare is covering it. And I will say our organization, other healthcare advocates will continue to fight forward um, for those other provisions to be covered as well, because because they are important as well. Um, yeah. But it but it is a really good start.
0: So let's talk briefly uh, before this segment ends about uh, the Medicaid gap and then uh, premium assistance.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, the the Medicaid expansion was a program that was put together um, under the Affordable Care Act passage. And states basically had the option um to help enroll people in health insurance who didn't make enough um, to qualify for some of the Affordable Care Act premium assistance, but made too little to, to qualify for some of the other programs. And this affects a lot of um, working families in the state, older adults, people with disabilities. Um, this, there were some lawsuits though, and what happened is basically states had to opt in to whether or not to expand Medicaid. New Hampshire did the right thing, we did. Um, healthcare advocates and um, and you know hospitals and recovery assistance um, centers here will tell you that Medicaid expansion has been our number one tool in in combating the opioid um, epidemic in our state because it's meant that people can get the healthcare coverage and the help that they need. We we know that during. Um, the downturn from COVID unemployment that we had tens of thousands of Granite Staters who were able to rely on Medicaid expansion to have healthcare coverage after the loss of employment or the uh, or um, a reduction in hours that meant they lost their benefits. So this is an incredible program um, that has helped so many Granite Staters, but there are 12 states in our nation who have not expanded Medicaid. And um, the estimate is that we will have around 2.4 million um, Americans who will um, be able to get insured by having in the Build Back Better plan um, these options for them to get coverage, even if their state hasn't expanded um, already. And I have to say this, this is also named as the single most important step to reduce racial disparities in health coverage because in the states that have not expanded it is people of color who've been disproportionately impacted by not having access to this program. So getting those coverage for the non-expansion states is really important.
0: So um, we're gonna head towards a a break here. This is Capital Close-Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. Uh, We've been speaking with Zandra Rice-Hawkins, the Executive Director of Granite State Progress about some of the healthcare provisions in the Build Back Better plan. Uh, The Build Back Better plan has passed the U.S. House it is awaiting passage in the. US Senate where uh, folks in DC. are hopeful, and we are hopeful that it will pass. It's a significant uh, advance uh, to the health care reform that began with Obamacare. Uh, what was started uh, in 2010 with the passage of Obamacare. I was a congressman. Um, when Obamacare came up for a vote, I remember it well. It was on my birthday in 2010. When I pulled out my plastic voting card, and it was such a a, a difficult time. Um, you know, I mean, things are things are rough now, but back then it was crazy time. Um, we had marched as a delegation across uh, across from the. House offices to the Capitol surrounded by a howling, yowling, furious mob. Uh, The good news is that they weren't armed at the time, unlike the January 6th crazies, but they were howling and yowling because there was a lot of division in the country about passing a health care reform bill. People, you know, I, I remember campaigning for Congress and I'd run into people who'd say, uh, I don't want the government to take over my health care, but you just keep your darn hands off my Medicare. Um, There was a lot of misunderstanding about health care and how it worked, and that has persisted. But we passed Obamacare. The Republicans have tried so many times to undercut, undermine, uh, reverse it. I mean, it has been the, the watchword of the Republican Party to take away healthcare, but now America likes its healthcare plan, wants more and better healthcare, and the Build Back Better plan does that. So, Zandra, in the first segment, we talked about a number of the important provisions, and there's a last but not least that I'd like you to touch on before uh, we turn things over to Nancy to talk about some of the benefits, uh, uh, specifically for families and kids, And that is the premium assistance provisions uh, that are coming in Build Back Better. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I always say that the um, the the lead up to the passage and and implementation of the ACA has what has prepared me for some of the brightest uh, political times we are now because I too remember how difficult that was. But but also we've had this law in place around the Affordable Care Act. Um, for about a decade now and people, they love it, right? People love Obamacare. They love that they have a health insurance coverage. They love that they have um, quality, affordable coverage that they don't have to guess whether or not um, it's going to be covered when they go to the doctor when they're sick. And there are a couple of things that happened earlier this year to kind of help Um, especially with the COVID pandemic, respond and make sure that that coverage stayed in place for people. And that was under the American Rescue Plan. Um, There was a a COVID relief provision to lower ACA premiums Um, that helped tens of thousands of grant state families have lower premiums. We have stories of um, people who've saved, you know, $200 to $300 per month off their health insurance through the ACA marketplace because of this. And it's um, something that we want to see extended, um, have that additional premium assistance you know, per- made permanent in Build Back Better. It extends it from, um, it was supposed to end next year in 2022, it extends it through 2025. And that's great um, because it's going to make sure that, um, you know, right now, four out of five marketplace consumers can find a plan for less than $10 per month. And that is the kind of movement we need to make sure that people are staying staying insured, being able to access doctors um, and not paying an extraordinary amount of their income on premiums because um, there are a lot of other healthcare costs as well. Um, so this is, this is a great provision and, um, and we really encourage folks right now, the ACA open enrollment is taking place through January 15th. So if people are not enrolled in health coverage, um, this is the time for them to go explore those plans, even if it, even if they found a plan before that they, you know, it was too expensive for them at the time, with these added premium assistance options. Um, people should go back and double check because they might find coverage more affordable than they ever have before.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the making the premium assistance provisions permanent, of course, uh is, is the the goal um, in the Build Back Better plan the premium assistance provisions that were uh, put in place uh, extend until 2025, and we're going to keep on working to make them permanent. And Also, besides being more affordable, um, the provision also ensures no one is going to spend more than 8.5% of their income on premiums. Now, that may sound a lot, but given that so many Americans before the ACA and before these provisions were spending a lot more of their income on on health care. Uh, this is a critical piece in trying to develop what is a rational healthcare system, because right now, uh, our system continues to be challenging and and irrational we're, we're and we're 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 doing patchwork here, folks, we are filling we're filling the potholes. Um, and we're filling the potholes and painting the lines in a whole different way to to try to make our system a competitive, rational, and affordable uh, for the citizens of uh, the country and the Granite State. So, uh, Nancy, let's let's uh, let's turn uh, to you um, uh, because I want to talk about. And I'm hoping you'll educate us a little bit on what the build back framework uh delivers in terms of child care and early education. Um, these this is so critical because for working families, um, childcare is is just it, it's it's gotten even harder during the pandemic. I mean, I can we can only imagine what working families with young kids have gone through during the pandemic um, with childcare and safety issues and people leaving the workforce. Um, Talk to us a little bit about uh, what the current state is and what Build Back Better will do to, to to help on the childcare front.
2: Thanks so much. So I, I just wanted to start off by saying, you know, within the Build Back Better plan, you know, we have essentially a trifecta of supports that are going out for Granite State families and just families across the U.S. between, you know, the child care provisions, which will help to increase access to, you know, universal pre-K, um, as well as an increase in child care subsidies that is going to make a huge impact on a lot of our Granite State families here. Um, you know, we have to think that you know, our childcare workforce right now, you know, they're struggling, you know, as well, as well as a lot of the different pieces of workforce in New Hampshire. But when you have, um, you know, childcare and pre K workers that have been on the front line caring and working for children throughout this pandemic, but their pay is an average of just $13.54 an hour. Raising their wages uh, is not only going to boost their economic prospects and contribute to the state's economy, but it's going to enable the parents and relatives of children they care for to return to work and just further benefit from the economy itself. And that's one of the big pieces that um, some of the funding that was in Build Back Better is going to go towards for child care for folks in New Hampshire. Um, We're also looking at, you know, Knowing that nearly a third of women, you know, ages 25 to 44, they've all been pushed out of jobs during this pandemic, you know, simply because they didn't have access to childcare, you know, and moms of color have experienced the most devastating health and economic harms. So we cannot just have a recovery without centering the needs of moms and working families. And that means building a true care infrastructure.
0: It's really, it's really critical. Um, the, the affordable child care is, you know, in addition just to finding child care, affordable child care is a major strain. Um, what are the average costs in New Hampshire? And, and what is what is the bill doing uh, to help with those high costs of child care when people can find child care?
2: So, um, you know, we know that childcare is one of the biggest strains on New Hampshire families. It's probably one of the most common things I hear from the moms that I talk to every day. So, the annual cost um, of a childcare center for a toddler in New Hampshire is about twelve thousand four hundred dollars. Um, meaning that a New Hampshire family with two young children would, on average, spend about twenty-one percent of their income on childcare for just one year. Um, so. One of the things that Build Back Better is looking to do is it's going to create uh, a co-payment system that's similar to what we use in medical insurance. Um, so basically families, families will um, they'll be based on family income, um, pay anywhere between 0 and 7% of their annual family income as expressed as a percentage of their state's median income. So. Right now, when I say, you know, a family that has two children is spending roughly about 21% of their annual income on child care, this is going to decrease that significantly in regards to being able to afford child care in New Hampshire.
0: That, that's a basically uh, about a 300% decrease in the maximum cost for child care. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, it used to be sending a kid to college, um, would cost $12,000 a year. I mean now of course that's that's way out of line, but when when you think about a working family spending 21%, 20 more than $24,000, $25,000 a year uh for child care, that's that's huge. I mean that's 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 often as much as as much as rent is, and we have a housing crisis, of course, where rents are out of, out of control, but with these costs going up, having to being able to limit the payment for childcare with federal help to no more than 7% of income uh, is, is huge. And uh, in terms of New Hampshire, that would cover, if I understand correctly, 9 in 10 young children in New Hampshire would now be covered by this provision. That's, that's enormous progress.
2: It's, it's huge. and you know, and, and just thinking about those percentages and those numbers, we sit here and we wonder why so many people are dropping out of the workforce just because they have to care for their children. This is going to create a huge impact in our workforce in New Hampshire. But also a big piece of this too is providing universal high quality free preschool for every three and four year old in America you know, we have to think about the investments there too, not only, you know, long-term for, you know, your child socially and emotionally, you know, but also when we think about how there are other states and other cities in, New Ham- in in America as well right now that already offer some element of free preschool programs. And it'll definitely bring the Granite State back up to par with where some of our partners are in other states in the country as well. And we're truly going to be investing in the education of our children.
0: So, you know, here's, here's a challenging question. It, it, it might, it's probably a softball for you, but it's a challenging question. New, New Hampshire is one of the oldest states in the nation. I mean, we're just old, okay? We're an old white state. Um, our demographics are shifting over the, you know, especially over the past 10 or 20 years. Uh, demographically, we've shifted, but we remain predominantly an old state. And our legislature is predominantly curmudgeonly. Um, And it seems a little hard to convince people that that services for uh, young children and young families are important. It seems to me that we give a lot of lip service to caring about children and families, but that in New Hampshire, when it comes time to pay for it, uh, and make the investment in our future that ought to be made. Uh, the purse strings uh, tighten up, and people look elsewhere. They'd rather spend spend money on on other things. Why? Why is investing in free preschool for every three and four year old so important? What is it? What does it mean to families? And what does it mean for our future? Why should old people invest in little kids?
2: So there's a couple of big reasons, you know, we we talk about the workforce crisis which is probably the biggest one and we're feeling it really hard right now especially with the pandemic. You know, we see that so many places are looking for workers right now. And a lot of things and one of the biggest pieces that a lot of folks aren't amplifying and aren't aware of is that uh, that families are having a hard time finding childcare. You know, having access to a preschool program in general is difficult when you have difficulty accessing childcare in general. Right. So when you think about how important it is to be able to invest, you know, for the for the older folks that say live in New Hampshire and why they should. Well, we do know that a lot of a lot of these folks are are still in the workforce and they might be looking to retire, but they're feeling as though they can't because they need a younger workforce to come in to be able to help relieve some of that. There, I know that that's true for my husband right now, who just started a new job. Um, you know, he knows of multiple folks that are in the in his work right now that are looking to make their exit, but they need time to train. They need these young folks to come in to be able to make sure that the companies and the places that they're working for are going to be in a good space when they leave. Not to mention, you know, another big thing to be able to raise up here is we have a lot of grandparents that are helping with raising their grandchildren right now. All right, they are providing the childcare. And we know that families are piecing together everything that they can to be able to make things work. And that's another big piece there is, you know, this is going to be able to help Alleviate some of that pressure off of some of our older population that might be caring for grandchildren as well. You
0: know, and 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 not to get overly soft about things, but folks, our children are our future. And the education that our kids get is the key to competitiveness in a global economy uh, where the world has shrunk and people around the world. Um, are doing a lot better at caring for kids and their education than we are. That's just true. Um, and a early start at preschool leads to lifelong educational benefits, and not, not just uh, allowing um, uh, kids to go back, uh, you know, families to, to work. It's, it's really important for the, um, for the kids' education. So let's talk a little bit about um, uh, tax cuts um, and, uh, and how our plan is paid for. If we can get to that at the end, that would be really important. Uh, I'll, men- I'll just flag it here as an issue we're going to try to get to, but talk a little bit about tax cuts for families and workers.
2: So, you know, we know that, you know, through the American Rescue Plan, that they increased the child tax credit from $2,000 per child to as much as $3,000 to $3,600 per child, depending on the age of the child for many families. So, you know, prior to the pandemic, um, you know, we had we, we had 8% of children under the age of 18 in New Hampshire lived in poverty. And, you know, because of the increase of the child tax credits, we were actually able to raise Uh, lift more than 3 million children out of poverty, you know, throughout our throughout the country. Um, And and that's huge here. So what what's happening in Build Back Better in regards to the child tax credits is they're extending it to all the way through 2022. So basically, um, right now, families have the option to be able to receive a $300 a month per child under the age of six or $250 per month uh, payment per child um, for ages six to 17, and that's coming in as a monthly benefit, or they could also choose to be able to take it at the end of their of their tax year like they normally would. Um, and these kinds of things are making a huge, huge impact on families on just being able to afford some of those simple things like utility costs and being able to pay for their mortgages or their rents, you know, being able to afford nutritious foods, you know, health care, child care, you know, as well as enrichment and educational opportunities that children normally wouldn't be able to receive. And this is truly, truly lifting so many children out of poverty and creating, you know, just a little bit of ease, right, for families to be able to experience and parents to be able to experience to be able to, you know, help them through this pandemic. But truth be told, all of these things were going on before the pandemic was happening anyway. And these are provisions that needed to be put into place to be able to help lift families. So then that's one less thing that they're really truly struggling over on top of everything else that's going on in this world that they worry about.
0: You know, and also, you know, you you raise you raise that 8% of children in New Hampshire uh, before the pandemic were living um, in poverty. Uh, that's, that's a huge number of kids. And, and living in poverty means food insecurity and the Build Back Better plan is also going to do a lot to expand access to free school meals um, for New Hampshire's kids, uh, which could provide up to 45,000 students with resources to uh, purchase food uh, when they're not in school. Um, Talk to us now a little bit about the paid family leave provisions. It's been a hot button issue in New Hampshire. Um, Governor Sununu ran on a platform calling Democrats attempts to pass um, paid family leave as a, a tax Seem to work uh, that fearsome word in New Hampshire um, looks like it won him another term, and he's uh, he's going to keep going. So, what does Build Back Better do uh, for paid family leave?
2: All right, so I'm really excited about this because this paid family medical leave portion, you know, a lot of it definitely touches on some of the pieces that we saw that was missing in you know the proposed paid family leave provisions that. Uh, the governor was looking to to put into play. So we're looking at some some key elements here. And, you know, the first one is that comprehensive coverage for all core original FMLA purposes, paid family medical leave purposes. You know, so a lot of times um, paid family leave is, you know, tied to the birth of a child. But it isn't just that. We're looking for care for a newborn, Um, or newly placed adopted or foster child, which we also know has a huge community here in New Hampshire, Um, a loved one's serious health condition, as well as a worker's own serious health condition. Another big piece here is the eligibility rules that are inclusive of virtually all workers. So we're looking at um, benefits are going to be made available to anyone with a certified qualifying health condition or caregiving need within 90 days before or after filing an application who has at least $2,000 in earnings from work over the eight prior calendar quarters. Um, Benefits are available to federal, state, and local employees, as well as self-employed people, which is a huge, huge win because a lot of times our self-employed population, despite the fact that we are turning into a gig economy, um, often don't have access to benefits like this. Um, Also a commitment to gender equality, uh, gender equity is in here as well you know, we have to recognize that, you know, men are important caregivers as well, you know? So we're looking at being able to um, offer paid leave for for men, you know, to be able to care as a father, you know, for a, a newly, a, a new child, as well as being able to care for their loved ones as well. So it doesn't always fall on the shoulders of the women of the family. Um, there's also, I want to say the biggest thing in here, and, you know, we talked about sausage being made, and we know that, um, you know, we're down to one month of paid family and medical leave, you know, which is very which is very minuscule compared to um, you know what was originally proposed for this, which was twelve weeks of paid family leave. But you know, we're looking at four work weeks or twenty working days of paid leave benefits for providing or receiving care in a year. So um, a fam- a person could access this anytime within that year. Um, we also want to make sure that we, you know, we amplify the definition of family. Um, we we recognize that family isn't just your child or your parent, you know, we're also, or your spouse. We're also looking at, you know, siblings. We're looking at some extended family, your in-laws, you know, these are folks that were not covered under um, the regular FMLA provisions.
0: Yeah. Yep. Listen, I I, I want to make sure that we have some time here before we close our show. Uh, just to talk about a, a a very important issue which is um, how this bill is paid for this is not um, a bill that costs money it's an investment and not only is it an investment it's a fully paid for investment under build back better no one earning less than four hundred thousand dollars a year is going to pay a penny more in federal taxes. It establishes a 15% minimum corporate tax. It closes tax loopholes. It expands the ability to uh, catch tax cheats. Um, It uh, doesn't add to the deficit or inflation. In fact, uh, leading economists um, will uh, confirm that it will not fuel inflation. So all the hoopla about what it will cost Uh, is missing the point. This is a fully paid for investment. And in New Hampshire, where we are fiscally responsible and hopefully socially conscious, um, the fact that it's fully paid for is something that should appeal across the board to Democrats, independents, and Republicans. So, Xandra Rice-Hawkins, Nancy Glynn uh, from Granite State Progress and Moms Rising, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: This is Capital Close-Up. I'm your host, Paul Hodes. We'll be back next week.